The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to our studio here in Republic of Work in Cork, uh, Duncan Casey. Lots of you will know him, retired Munster and Grenoble player, a columnist with the Irish Examiner. Duncan, you're very welcome to the studio. How are you? I'm very good, Kieran. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you were in Porky Cueve last night. I was a fantastic occasion, thoroughly enjoyable, despite the weather. Uh, so I think. Uh, oh God, it looked like there was sideways rain at one stage. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Thankfully, I was I was under the cover of the stand, but uh, I did feel for those that were stuck in the terraces. But uh, no, it was magnificent. I think it went as well as it possibly could have, uh, both on the pitch and off the pitch. And I think everyone that was involved with it from from every corner of the organisation uh, will, will have been very pleased with how it panned out. It, did the biggest crowd to watch a rugby match in Munster ever apparently that's right yeah which stands to reason uh, you have a capacity uh, at, yeah. at uh, Thomas Park of 26,500 so I mean Porky Cueve with its potential for 45 I think it was 41 last night uh, dwarfs that you know so uh, I think it has very likely set a precedent and I think it's not the last time we'll see Munster or maybe even Ireland play there in the coming years yeah and I mean you know it opens the possibility of playing in other venues as well I mean Semple Stadium is there you know you can imagine games in Clonus I mean there's all these stadiums that rarely get huge amount of use over the winter the odd rugby international I mean it'd be brilliant wouldn't it? It'd be fantastic and actually Rory O'Connor from the Irish Independent who's a regular guest on News Talk he said in his newsletter today that he sent out uh, that you know if you look at the likes of New Zealand and Australia they move around their fixtures around the country quite a lot to keep people from various regions interested and actively participating and supporting the team and when you look at a game like tomorrow's for example Ireland versus Fiji uh, he pointed out that the, the atmosphere probably will be slightly underwhelming because it's just another run of the mill game that they're expected to win in the Aviva Stadium whereas you take a game like that and like you say you put it in Clonus Semple Stadium Porky Cueve again I think it adds a huge novelty to proceedings and I think uh, it really adds another dimension for people to get excited about. You mentioned the Fiji game. I mean, our, our international team are in rude health at the moment. Absolutely. They couldn't be in a stronger position, really. Um, Ireland are the kings of peaking a year out from a World Cup. Yes. We did learn that very bitterly <laughs> uh, in 2018 when we looked unstoppable and then uh, arguably, you know, the worst lead in into a World Cup that we possibly could have had. But I think... Uh, everything from the game plan to the personnel that are there to the overall strategy around this side I think they're in a far more robustly secure position mm. and uh, I, I think I'm really I'm licking my lips as next year's Six Nations really already to be honest I think it's going to be a fantastic tournament and a fantastic year for rugby ahead of the World Cup It's interesting Ger Gilroy was, was in with me in the last hour talking about the, the Fiji game and making the point that it's not necessarily, you know, the B team going out to play. You might have expected that in the past. It's more the plan B team. You know, he's kind of putting players in positions where he suspects you might have injuries going into a World Cup and you're going to have to be able to perform with those injuries having happened. I mean, would you go along with that? Absolutely. And I think that's been a big strength of Andy Farrell since he came in. Um, he's He's done that from the get-go. He hasn't been afraid to blood players. He hasn't been afraid to... Uh, roll the dice a little bit with certain combinations and certain individuals and that's what you need if you're preparing for a World Cup you can't look at things in, in the short term or even the medium term you have to look at it across the whole cycle that you're going to be in charge for um, and for example last weekend seeing Finley Bealham come on at half time and perform really well against a guy like Oxen Shea uh, who's sole remit basically as a springbok is to come off the bench and demolish his opponents for 25 minutes every time he gets a chance to see a second string tight head that maybe there was question marks about previously at test level perform so well against arguably the best scrum in the world is really encouraging and I think there's a lot of depth to a lot of positions that maybe we haven't enjoyed in the past uh, You know I, I was there in the Aviva I was lucky enough to be there last weekend and, and 
Johnny Sexton, I suppose, having the miles on the clock that he does and playing in the position he does, he's always going to get a few knocks in every match that he plays and your heart is kind of in your mouth every time it happens. But I do want to talk to you a little bit about injuries because earlier in the week, as part of Science Week and the coverage of it on the station, we were talking about concussion and rugby. And I know this is something you've talked about a little bit as well. I mean, just for people at home, had you many concussions while you were playing? I I had several concussions while I was playing. I'd probably put the figure at probably seven to eight over the course of uh, maybe 10 years of playing senior rugby. Mm. Um, that sounds like a lot and, you know, like it's not a negligible amount. I guess I was lucky in the sense that the severity of my concussions wasn't, terri- wasn't terribly bad. You know, I didn't, I never got knocked out cold. Um, they were usually quite mild in nature. Um, so while, you know, going by the, the exact description or definition of a concussion, I would have had multiple ones. Few enough of them were bad enough um, for me to get concerned about. Um, now, that probably reflects a little bit of an immature attitude. I guess I started my time in the academy in Munster in 2011 and it was around then when uh, the rugby world was really starting to pay attention to concussion as an issue and it was only starting to really mature at that stage. So I guess I still had a bit of a hangover from um, the late noughties when you would have just shrugged a lot of things off yeah. and, and carried on playing. But there was a running joke with the Munster team, wasn't there, in the late noughties uh, that, uh, you know, they had done these kind of cognitive tests and then uh, players after they got a knock on the head were performing better in them, that they intentionally uh, uh, underscored in the test so that when they got a knock on the head, they'd be allowed to keep playing. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And, and it was all a great joke. Yeah, that's right. And thankfully, thankfully, people have matured and players have matured in particular. I, I still do think that players need to be protected from themselves a little bit. And that piece that you, you did with Lisa Ryan early in the week, you know, she pointed out the folly of asking a child, you know, are you OK or are you hurt? Because if you're asking someone, are they OK? Clearly something has happened that mm. indicates that they may not be. Um, and rugby has progressed a lot in the last decade in terms of taking that decision away from the player. You know, there's independent doctors that games now that can review video footage um, after the fact and instruct uh, players off for a HIA. That didn't used to be the case before. Referees and touch judges, they can instruct players to go off as well. It's no longer just in the hands of the player or maybe just the team's physio or doctor to say, this player needs to leave the pitch. Uh, so things are progressing. There's still progress to be made without a doubt mm. but I think things, generally speaking, are moving in the right direction. Uh, That's that Steve Thompson, the, the, the English rugby player. The uh, prop, People would have watched uh, the documentary uh, and found it really harrowing viewing you know whether you're a rugby fan or not it was just on a human level as somebody who played the game and has suffered concussions what did you make of it? Yeah like you say Kieran, it was harrowing it was a tough watch really and uh, it's sorry, a- just, I maybe should have said for people who don't know he played in the 2003 World Cup and he doesn't actually remember winning that World Cup with England yeah, it's uh, it's really shocking, and you, to to see a guy of forty four years of age struggle with really basic aspects of daily life, you know, forgetting his children's name at times, uh, talking about how he's unable to hold down any work, and any work he does find is kind of described by him as a dig out that one of his friends is giving him because he can't, he doesn't feel that he can really contribute in a positive way to any organisation and to see a guy that's achieved so much, you know, he's an MBE, has been given the, you know, arguably one of the one of the highest awards you can get as an Englishman, has won the World Cup, has done everything that you could possibly do in a rugby career, to see him talk about how he doesn't see how his life adds value to the world is, uh, is difficult and I think it would have frightened any ex-professional, particularly people that would have played around the same time that he mm. did. I think there's a distinction to be made between guys that played 
uh, from the kind of 1995 to we'll say 2010 period and the guys that maybe started their careers after that that 95 to 2010 period it was a little bit like the Wild West I suppose in terms of how 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 like the medical the medical operations were uh, were treated you know uh, there was a huge amount of contact done. There was no comprehension of the potential long-term impacts of that. Guys like Steve Thompson and Alex Popham and more recently, Ryan Jones, whose career I overlapped with, uh, albeit briefly, I played against him once in 2014 mm. and he retired in 2015. Guys that have all been diagnosed with early onset dementia in their early 40s and uh, are, now, are now staring into the abyss of uh, a potentially very difficult number of decades. It, it Probably though, when you see something like that, even though it, I'm sure... Everything you've said to me, you said to yourself watching it, you know, you rationalise it. But then I assume things happen. And they're probably the stuff that happens to everyone in, in the normal run of events. I've forgotten where they put the keys or you mix up the muddle of the kids' names. You say, wouldn't you mean the other? And then after watch, I, I assume maybe you tell me I'm wrong, but after you watch Steve Thompson and you do that, there must be a little alarm bell that goes in your head and you think, oh, God. Absolutely. In the in the immediate aftermath, you certainly start to go, uh, well, maybe those moments of stupidity, silliness, whatever you call, maybe that was because I got a bang in the head that day as opposed to it just being a silly thing that everyone mm. does. So I, I told I told this story before, um, um, but it's worth telling again, I think, because it's kind of funny. But uh, I uh, came home from training one time and I was living in an apartment block at the time and I took my gear bag out of the car and walked upstairs to my apartment on the third floor. And five minutes later, I got a phone call off. Uh, the building manager saying, uh, are you at home, Duncan? And I said, I am, yeah. What, what's the story? And he said, what's up with your car? And I went over to the window of the apartment and looked out and I had left, I had left uh, two of the four doors of the car wide open. I left the handbrake down and the car had rolled about 25, 30 metres across the car park and miraculously didn't hit any other cars on wow. the way to its resting pa- place across two other spaces at the other side. So obviously at the time, you know, I laughed and it was hilarious, like, you know, but after watching the documentary, you look at things like that and go, uh, maybe I did get a bang in the head that day or maybe there was a little bit more to it. Yeah. Now, like you say, Kurt, it's probably just something that people do, uh, something stupid that people do from time to time. But I guess... The uncertainty of it uh, would play in your mind a little bit, having seen so- something as harrowing as that uh, in front of your face. Uh, um, so you, given everything you say about the medical protocols that are in place now, I mean, you'd have no qualms about kids playing rugby now, for example, would you? Because that's often when we talk about it, you know, you get parents and they text in, they say, I'm sorry, I've always loved the game, but I'm not going to let my kids play it. Yeah, and no, I, I wouldn't have any uh, hesitation uh, in encouraging, you know, I don't have any kids at the moment, but encouraging my nephew um, to play, for example, or, or children of parents uh, that I do know to play, for example. Um, I think there are two very, there are two very separate discussions. I think you have the professional game, uh, which is where these really negative headlines arise out of, um, and understandably so, but I think it's a very different part of the global sport of rugby to, we'll say, underage rugby, amateur rugby, everything else. I think, by and large, rugby is still a very safe sport for young people to play. Um, I think it's important that that distinction is made, you know, seeing the collisions that we would have seen in last night's game or, or last Saturday's game, for example. It's important not to think that, uh, you know, when, you know, little Duncan at 12 years of age goes out to throw the ball around on a Saturday afternoon that he's going to be subjected to the same thing. That doesn't mean that uh, more can't be done to make the game as safe as possible, but it does does mean that um, I think the, the apprehension that parents have I think is a bit misguided at the moment okay. and, and it's it's sad I think because I know anecdotally I don't know how the numbers are 
looking at the moment but anecdotally I do know lots of people who are involved with GA clubs for example who say that we've gotten a big swell in, in you know the number of 8 to 10 year olds playing this year because the parents are saying they don't want their kids playing rugby uh, and I think that's a, that's a pity and it's a PR battle that rugby needs to get ready to fight Yeah it would be a pity because you know in lots of places around the country you've seen big numbers going out and taking up rugby kind of a few years ago and lots of girls in particular as well and I know in Kilkenny I mean there's underage girls teams where there was no women's mm. teams whatsoever only a few years ago so it's absolutely uh, uh, brilliant to see in that regard and you'd hope to see it you know rebound if there has been any uh, sort of waning uh, listen before I let you go this is kind of a flying visit is it to Ireland you're heading off again that's right so my wife Sarah and I just moved back from Brussels we were there for just over two years and we're moving to Vancouver in January so uh, it's nice to be back home for a couple of months and uh, take in the festive period at home How's the skiing skills? Uh, mediocre, I would say. I've only been once and that was earlier oh, this really? year. Yeah, but uh, looking forward to get getting... to Whistler now. <laughs> That's right, so I gather, yeah. Looking yeah. forward to getting stuck into it a bit more. Yeah, well, the weather, if it's any consolation, I mean, you'll bet in well because the weather in Vancouver this time of year is a little like the weather outside the window here in Cork. It's, it's kind of mild and miserable, but you can see the ski slopes from the city, which is a great thing. Listen, Duncan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a million. Thank you very much, Kieran. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.